0: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jennikin. Let's start out the show by thanking our lovely patrons. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This week we had Connie, Joanna, Shannon, Mildy, Jennifer, Kayla, Melissa, Sarah, Sarah. Someone sent us money on PayPal, Lashara. Hey, thank Thanks. you. That was really nice of you. And she also sent a really sweet note. Yes, so, thank yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Ivy, Kiara, Steve, Michelle, Shane, Brian, Victoria, and Hannah. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Okay, Dazzy. I have decided to report on another 1920s murderess, one that I have mentioned a few times, I think, on some of the other episodes we've done, because this woman was often mentioned in the newspaper articles as a cellmate of some of the other women we've covered. They were all kind of like lumped in together because they're (laughs) all getting arrested at the same time. Right. Like she became friends with clara phillips the tiger lady in when they were in prison she was also cellmates with louise pete Uh and one thing that most of these women have in common is they all have very 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 dangerous pussies (laughs) and this woman is definitely diamond tier okay yeah (laughs) so this is the story of madeline Obenchain. On the night of August 5th, 1921, 28-year-old Madeline Obenchain called out to a driver passing by in the Beverly Glen area of Beverly Hills. The driver, George Deering, saw the frantic young woman calling out for help and pulled over. Madeline told him that her boyfriend had been shot. Her boyfriend, a 28-year-old wealthy insurance broker named John Belton Kennedy, was lying on the steps of his summer home, the back of his head blown off with a shotgun. George took Madeline to the police station to report the crime. Madeline's screams and the sound of gunfire had reached several neighbors in the area, and they too had also called the police. At the scene of the crime, police recovered a fully loaded revolver lying at John's feet. This weapon was believed to have belonged to him. Two shotgun shells were found near the body, but the murder weapon itself was nowhere to be found. Further down the road, there were tire tracks believed to have been from the getaway car of the assailant. The tracks belonged to a Dodge Roadster. At the station, Madeline told police that she and John had spent the day together at the beach and were returning home after having dinner in Brentwood. Madeline told police what happened next. This is from the Santa Ana Register. Mr. Kennedy and I left the machine, she's referring to the car,
1: and <laughs> <laughs> And st- oh, it's an automobile. A <laughs> <laughs> ah, mechanic. Ah. <laughs>
0: a machinist marvel. Mr. Kennedy and I left the machine and started to mount the hillside stairs. Then I remembered that on my last visit to the cottage a year ago, I had hidden a copper scent under a stone near the foot of the stairs. I wanted to see if it was still there. I went back a few steps and struck a match. Just as the match flared, the most terrible crash rang out. I was dazed. I looked up the stairway. I could see Mr. Kennedy collapse. Good night, Madeline, he said. That was all. A dark figure faded into the shadows. I thought I would die of terror out there in the hills alone, with a man dying at my feet and dark shapes around me. This Madeline,
1: she's a very descriptive woman. Yeah, She... Like to write poetry. I was going to say, this is a very, like, very prose sounding like statement. We're going to hear a lot more prose from this woman. <laughs> I'll tell you what.
0: So that's when Madeline ran down the road to find help. Madeline was hysterical, explaining to the police that John Kennedy, uh, she was also explaining to them that John Kennedy was her fiance. Mm hmm. But the police were incredibly suspicious of Madeline, so they held her as a material witness where they grilled her about the slain. This is a quote from Sheriff C.A. Tatton. He said, quote, I am convinced that Madeline Obenchain knows who fired that fatal shot. We shall hold Mrs. Obenchain as a material witness. She has made a lengthy, detailed statement to us, but we are, not, we are convinced that she has not yet told us all that she knows about this affair. Police surmised that whoever shot John Kennedy knew he would be there at the time of his murder. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was, like, up in the hills in Beverly Glen. It wasn't like they were out walking on the street and turned down an alley. Yeah. And there was someone robbing them there. Yeah. I'm thinking of Batman. But, like, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) Like Batman. (laughs) They weren't just walking down (laughs) Crime Alley.
1: Yeah. No, this seems like a secluded area, right? So Mm -hmm. it was, like, a very deliberate
0: thing. Okay, who is Madeline? Let's talk about Madeline. Madeline Obenchain was born Madeline Connor. When she was attending Northwestern University, she was named the prettiest co-ed. She met Ralph Obenchain while she was in school. At the time, he was the president of the senior class, and they met each other at a dance. They shortly became engaged, like right after meeting each other. Ralph went on to become a very wealthy Chicago attorney for Edna Insurance. Though Madeline was engaged to Ralph Obenchain, she was not faithful. (laughs) For years, she carried an on-again, off-again relationship with John Belton Kennedy, whom she had met while she was visiting her mom in Los Angeles. Now, Madeline really wanted to marry John, but he couldn't go through with it. For one thing, his mom was overbearing and didn't approve of her son getting married at all, Ooh. let alone to Madeline. They, the parents did not like Madeline okay. at all. like They did not approve of her for their son. So John would go back and forth between swearing to Madeline that they would get married to all of a sudden being distant and saying that he was afraid of his mom. So And she was still attracted to him? And she (laughs) sorry (laughs) Like how? She was so horny for this guy, Desi. As you're gonna see, she just could not get enough of him. And it's really hard. Did he to, have BDE? Like what's going on? I mean, I like, it's hard to tell from the pictures in the newspapers. Cause like, I have to say, like, I'll say, like, I forgot to say up top, but most of my research, I would say 90% of my research for this episode came from newspaper articles from 1921. Okay. So and, they weren't talking about his big dick. They were not talking <laughs> about his big dick. And it's really hard to see from these like black and white photos. Right. Of these like, and like when I'm reading these newspaper articles, you have to understand I'm reading the actual like f- photocopied of the news, newsprint. Yeah. So sometimes it's like really faded, and you're like, yeah, my eyes hurt. Yeah, is what I'm saying is like this was my eyes hurt today. Okay. Anyway, so Madeline eventually just gave up, and she married Ralph. She's like, well, fuck you. You yeah. don't want to marry me. I'm getting married to Ralph. But that obviously did not stop their affair. <laughs> They got married in Los Angeles on January 1st, 1919, but would return to Chicago. While she was in Chicago, she reunited with an old friend from school, a reverend son from Evanston, Illinois, 28-year-old Arthur Courtney Birch. Arthur was super horny for Madeline and also in love with her. She had him running errands for her, and he was basically just following her around like a puppy dog. Aww. And she never had any romantic or sexual feelings for him, but she was definitely going to take advantage of this situation. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he would do anything for her. Now, Madeline's marriage to Ralph did not last long. She was still in love with John, and her and John apparently fucked four days after the wedding. Ooh. So... They continued their correspondence with each other, writing love letters, and eventually Madeline filed for divorce after being married to Ralph Obenchain for just about a year. Now, Ralph was still desperately in love with his now ex-wife. In fact, he knew that she had been having this affair with right. John and he granted her the divorce because you had to get like permission right, to get a divorce back then. But he granted her this divorce because he was like, well, I know that's what, sh- yeah. I love my wife so much. I know she just wants to fuck this other guy. Yeah. I'll let her have, like he wasn't <laughs> resentful about it. He got to is- set them free <laughs> if you love someone.
1: <laughs> like that's the weird set thing. Set that pussy free. <laughs>
0: he set that <laughs> pussy free because he really thought it would fly back to him. Right. He yeah. really
1: thought. He didn't know. Diamond level pussy. No. Don't fly back. <laughs> it's going to go where it wants to go. Right. And, and oh, did this pussy go places.
0: So they get, di- they get divorced. Ralph obviously is like, just wants her to be okay. So he's sending her along with the monthly alimony. He's also sending her blank checks. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> And she's
1: already a rich lady. She comes from a wealthy family. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she didn't need money. No. Okay. I want you to know. I thought she married him for money. Like, nope. Okay. They got
0: married. Like, she really did like him in the beginning when they met in college. Right. And, but, you know, she, it was like she liked him, but I don't think she wanted to fuck him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She wanted to fuck this other guy in L.A. that she met. And he wouldn't marry her. And he wouldn't marry her. And that just made her want him even more. Of course. And they would write these steamy love letters back and forth to each other. I wish we had them. We have them. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Duh.
1: Okay. I'm excited. So
0: so, uh, Ralph was still desperately in love with her. Okay. So Madeline was hoping that this divorce would finally get John to propose to her. But the proposal never came. After some back and forth between the couple, Madeline and John finally agreed, okay, we'll meet in San Francisco, and they, were plan- they planned to meet each other in San Francisco in July of 1921 to get married once and for all. And Madeline really thought that this was right. this was going to be the time that they're actually going to get married. But when she arrived, he didn't show. Madeline went down to Los Angeles on July 6th to be with John, but still he failed to propose to her.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Immediately after learning of Madeline being held by police after John's murder, Ralph Obenchain made it clear that he would do whatever it took to support her. This is what he told the press. I always loved her. I love her still. No matter what she has done, I will stand by her always. She has only to call me and I will go to her side. It was my wife's love for Kennedy that broke up our home. I did not know when I married her that she ever had an affair with Kennedy or with anyone else. We had not been married long, however, before I discovered it was Kennedy and not myself whom she really loved, so I resolved that I would not stand between her and what she conceived to be her happiness. I decided to do all I could to make it easier for her to obtain a divorce in order that she might be free to marry Kennedy. I do not blame Kennedy in the least. He did nothing to win my wife from me. He could not help the fact that she loved him, and I believe that he loved her her devotedly it was their intention to be married in a very short while Kennedy was a fine fellow I have known him for a long time and I can conceive of no reason why anyone should wish to kill him but Madeline I'm sorry for her I am heartbroken I hope she would still let me help her
1: in this in her hour of need what a cuck (laughs) (laughs) just the absolute Ralph please get some fucking dignity here what level of wife guy is this It is unbelievable, like how he is so cute. He's still like, I have a chance again. Yeah, (laughs) he's like, Now she's free, I have no competition. It's a bittersweet moment for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, truly, Ralph, I want to, like, how has he, does he have no friends? Well, he would go on to be known
0: in the press as the human doormat. Wow. Oh, man. And they, I mean, and because this was 1921, they really had a field day with like, this guy isn't a man. He's a doormat. He also has a
1: diamond level pussy. (laughs) Like,
0: (laughs) truly. So John Kennedy's father had some rather unsavory things to say about Madeline. Oh. This is what he said. I know that Mrs. Madeline Obenchain, a divorced woman, undesirable to us in a way, has been interested in my son. Of course, I don't know whether my son was in love with her, but I do know this, that she sent him a fake telegram purporting to come from Chicago. Also, she has written him many, many letters. Of course, neither his mother nor I know what they contained. I'm not accusing anybody now, but... I'm going to spend every dollar I have to find the person who killed my boy. I'll make them pay for it if it's the last act of my lift. I believe... (laughs) (laughs) Lift? I don't know. I believe that the murder was premeditated, and I'm prepared to go to the ends of the earth, splicing together the rope of evidence that someday will hang the man or woman who murdered him. Did
1: these people talk like normal people ever? (laughs)
0: Well, you always wonder, like, when you watch old movies, like, did people really talk like that back then? Right.
1: If it's the last thing I ever do, like, that's like a cliche now. Like Right. Uh, I will go to the ends of the earth. I like how all of these things that he's mad about, he also is like, and she sent a fake telegram from Chicago. <laughs> like, not only did she murder my son, she sent a fake fucking telegram from Chicago. Like, what's that about? You better look into that. <laughs> that's mail fraud. <laughs> Like, truly. After a couple days, sorry,
0: a couple days after the murder, Arthur Birch, the grocery errand boy for Madeline, was arrested at a train station in Las Vegas in connection to the slaying. Arthur had been traveling east from Los Angeles when he was apprehended by the police. A passenger aboard the train said that Arthur had, quote, been the life of the party, Arthur was seen yucking it up with another man and some women on the train, telling them about how wealthy he was. Now, Arthur had been in Los Angeles at the time of the murder. Keep in mind, he lived in Evanston, Mm -hmm. but he was found out to have been in Los Angeles during this time. And he would do anything for her. And he would do anything for love. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He had been staying in a hotel room in L.A. for a couple weeks, and according to the hotel registry, he checked in on July 24th. The manager of the hotel told police that Arthur had specifically requested a room facing Broadway, and that he had requested to see the room beforehand to check out the view. The view that Arthur was requesting faced directly towards John Kennedy's office. (laughs) He even offered a woman who was staying in a room with a slightly better view of his room money so that they could switch
1: rooms. Wow. But she said no. Okay. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, what is that going to do anyway? Yeah. Like, have a slightly better view? (laughs) This
0: guy's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Arthur told the hotel manager that he would be having a woman come by that he said was his cousin and that she would be coming by pretty frequently. Yeah. And that they would leave the door to the room open. Now I had to like go look this up or what, but apparently you couldn't just have random women who weren't your wife in your hotel room. Oh, back then, I guess.
1: How would they know?
0: I don't know. But like, he was like, we'll leave the door open when yeah. she's here. No
1: hanky panky <laughs> will be happening. Like- right. No hanky panky. And, and then he
0: was like, and it's my cousin, yeah. but I won't be fucking my cousin. Yeah. So don't worry.
1: That's so weird. Cause it's like, Technically, you don't really know if someone's married. It's not like people walk around with their marriage certificate, right? Like Just the wedding ring, I guess. Um, You could fake that easily, though. Yeah, it seems like a weird... Yeah. Like That seems like a suspicious story. I'd be like, oh, yeah, my wife is going to come visit me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, why say it's your cousin? Yeah, and make it seem so weird. Yeah, he had to be weird about it. Okay, so he's like, I'm going to be having a female guest come by. Now... The staff members of the hotel recalled seeing Arthur and this woman, who was later identified as Madeline, sitting, facing the window, and watching the office across the street. For the next two weeks, hotel staff saw Arthur sitting by this window in a chair, just staring. What? Like, Like why? Like, every time they would walk by his hotel room, or if they would come in to, like... Right, clean
1: or whatever, they would see him. I'm so irritated. Yeah. Because it's like, don't be that stupid if you're going to commit a crime.
0: I mean, really. (laughs) Shut the door. (laughs) Shut the door. The hotel employee working the night shift said that one night at around 11 p.m., he saw Arthur run down the hallway and out the door wearing a raincoat, even though it was the middle of the summer in Los Angeles and not raining. He said that Arthur looked crazed.
1: (laughs) I mean, he's not doing a great job of not sticking out. He
0: really isn't. Yeah. According to the manager on the day of the murder, he saw Arthur leaving the hotel room with an object wrapped in newspaper that was in the shape of a shotgun. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is
1: so insane to me. It's like you picture those things where it's like a Christmas present. Yeah. And it's just like the shape of the object with right. the wrapping paper. Yeah. Like a dog. <laughs> Like in a cartoon or
0: something. Totally. Now, the morning after the murder, an employee walked by Arthur's room and saw that the door was ajar. They looked in and saw Arthur sitting on the bed, but for the first time since he checked in, he was not staring at the office building across the street. When Arthur checked out of this, when Arthur checked out of his hotel room just before ten a.m., the hotel manager noticed the unusually long shaped suitcase that Arthur was carrying. <laughs>
1: Sorry. He
0: remarks that it looked like a suitcase that you would put a shotgun in. Yeah. Uh Now, Arthur left the hotel, and after he left, the manager... Decided he was gonna go through this guy's trash can. Okay. Cause he thought the suitcase was This is
1: must have been the most exciting thing to happen at this hotel in like forever. He was so <laughs> right?
0: excited. He was so excited. So the he- whole
1: staff is like, What's going on? Can you imagine the gossip on their smoke yeah, breaks? Yeah, it must have been so good. And yeah. then they were probably intentionally looking to see what was going on. I at probably some point. Yeah. that's probably
0: why there's so much like stories about this guy. Yeah. Because they're like, Who's this weirdo? At he some just point it became in?
1: the thing to check on. Right.
0: Like- <laughs> And when they finally, like, got to talk to the police, like, have we got a story for you? Yeah. (laughs) They had all this information. (laughs)
1: It's it's
0: insane. (laughs) So the hotel Mm -hmm. manager goes through his trash can, and in it he found a piece of a telegram that had come from Evanston, Illinois, and this is what led the manager to call the police. Uh, I assume that he made the connection because there was this story that this woman, originally from Evanston, Right was involved in this murder. Now, police grilled Arthur Birch about the whereabouts of the murder weapon and about his involvement with Madeline in Los Angeles. According to Arthur, Madeline had summoned him by telegram to come to Los Angeles from Illinois. According to Madeline, Arthur had visited her at her hotel where she was staying to console her about John failing to propose to her. But Madeline denied that Arthur had any connection to the murder. She and she also was like, "We're just friends. We're not like." She was. I just picture his face like pouting when she says that. She says that she has to make that clear several times. We're just friends, and he's like. She has to say it so much, like because it gets brought up. She's like, "Oh, and just for the record, we we are not, nor have we ever been romantically involved. We're just great friends." Yeah. Now, she also told police, quote, I believe Kennedy's death is to be traced to his connection with the girl in, in this city to whom he was with for a long time practically engaged. Madeline asserted that the two men who were there that night that she said that she saw two men leaving the uh-huh. site, she said, oh, I think they were acquaintances with this mystery woman that John was having an affair with. Um... Madeline also cited an incident that had happened four years prior, which actually there were reports of this where John was beaten up by two assailants. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Madeline believed that this was all connected. Okay. A uh, quote from Madeline, his mother knows who that girl is and I could give the information on that line, but I prefer not to mention her by name. Now <laughs> we never found out who this mystery yeah. girl was. Madeline went on to say that she knows that John Kennedy's parents hate her and that she believes that they're out to get her. Ooh. John Kennedy's dad told this to the LA Times about his son. Quote, he was a good boy of excellent character and had no enemies that I knew of. I was his constant chum. We always chum together. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> Sorry. And I knew every phase of his life, yet I do not know of his having any trouble with anyone but this woman. She wanted him to marry her, just pestered him to death. He had told me that he did not want to marry her. During the last few days, he worried continually and was getting to look ill. I tried to comfort him and told him to stay home and rest. So he's like, yeah, that Madeline girl. Yeah. was She's a nag. She's a nag. How old was John? 28? They're all 28. All the like So they're still friends. living at home? Well, like, John still
1: lived with his parents. Okay. Yeah. They seemed like very involved in his they're life. <laughs> we,
0: especially back in 1921 where I feel like 28 was like 48. I know. It's like more common now because yeah. of like
1: everything's so expensive. But back then that was like you would have three kids by then right.
0: and be married. Especially since this guy's like a wealthy guy. And
1: it's in LA. It's not like it's in farm country where people stay on the... You know what I mean? Like, I'll live in one area or something. No, his parents were incredibly too involved in his life. Yeah. Like, too... Especially the mom. And it seems like he was sort of def- deferred to them. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, at one point during the interrogation,
0: Madeline said that the time she went to John's Beverly Glen home before the murder, she saw three black cats and that she knew that they were a bad omen. Ooh.
1: Look, if I see three black cats that is like a great day. Me too. I'm thinking I want to join the coven. (laughs) If I see any cats,
0: I'm excited.
1: I'm excited. I love seeing a cat. I do too. in In the wild. Oh my God, it's great.
0: So she even appeared to change her story a little bit about how she wanted to go back to the house that night and look for a lucky penny. This time she said to police that it was actually John who suggested they go back to the house to get this lucky penny because she was afraid of the black cats.
1: Oh, okay. He was like, well, didn't you leave that penny at my house? Let's go get the, the penny. The penny story is so 1921, I can't deal.
0: <laughs> it's The absurd. lucky penny? Come on. <laughs> I mean... It's absurd. Yeah. Yeah, so... She told police that she told John she was afraid to go to the house cuz she thought something bad would happen and that it was John's idea to go look for this lucky penny to reverse the bad luck. As to why Madeline had met with Arthur Birch in the weeks leading up to the murder, she said that he was just a friend yeah. and that she had just was lending him some money. I never fucked this guy. <laughs> She says it in so many different ways that she never fucked him. I just like that it's
1: like a a stab to his heart every time she says it. Probably like, oh yeah, yeah.
0: Now, a letter was addressed to Madeline at the Alexandria Hotel where she was staying, and it was intercepted while she was being interrogated. This letter contained eighty-five dollars. However even though it it was like sent to Madeline, it was addressed in the care of M.C. Wilson. Now, Madeline said that Arthur had lent her money and that that's what that was okay. and that they often just lent money back and forth to each other because okay. we're friends. That's yeah. what friends do. M.C. Wilson, who was the name on the letter that was addressed to Madeline was referring to Louise Wilson, who was Madeline's manicurist and close friend who had been staying with her in this hotel. Madeline couldn't explain to police why she had all of her mail addressed in the care of this woman. Mm -hmm. Like, why not just have it addressed to you? Right. Why have it addressed to this friend? Louise the manicurist was questioned by police. She told them that she had known Madeline for years and that Madeline was greatly infatuated with Mr. Kennedy. This is a quote from Louise. She was greatly infatuated with Mr. Kennedy and had told me that she was to marry him. They were frequently together and danced a great deal at the Alexandria Grill. As Miss Mrs. Obenchain did not like to remain alone in her room at night, she often asked me to remain all night with her. On Friday afternoon she invited me to stay with her, saying that she had an engagement, but that she would return to her room about seven o'clock in the evening. She did not return, but I thought nothing of her absence and went to bed and fell asleep. Mrs. Obenchain always received her mail through me. Why she did this, I do not know. Unless she was afraid someone, some of it might get lost if it was sent to the hotel. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's what she said. By the way, Madeline's own mother, who lived in L.A. with Madeline's sister, had no idea her daughter had been in town for the last six weeks. Okay. She only found out because she saw her daughter's name in the paper that she was being held as a material (laughs) witness in this murder. Now, Madeline's mother told the press that she believed her daughter was innocent. Madeline's half-sister, Emma, who also lived in L.A., said that she had met Arthur Birch once back in Evanston. She couldn't understand why he would do this. Like, she knew that Arthur had recently been going through a separation with his wife, but she was like, he came from a wealthy family. He wasn't, why, like, the only motive she could think of was, like, someone killed this guy for money because he's rich, but it wasn't a robbery. She just couldn't figure out why Arthur Birch would do this. Now, a little bit about Arthur's background. He became separated from his wife after a tumultuous marriage where she claimed that he abandoned her. Arthur was arrested in 1920 on charges of neglect and non-support. The trouble began right after the honeymoon, or right during the honeymoon of the marriage. So this is like right after they get married. He took her for their honeymoon to Montana, and she hated it. Well, I mean... (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) She was like, I thought we were going to Fiji.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's nice, but for your honeymoon? Come on. She probably didn't want to do that. It was like at his ranch. Okay. Maybe they had already been there. If it was his ranch. Or they're going to be going there a lot, probably. Right. (laughs) She probably wanted to go somewhere tropical. Or just somewhere different that you wouldn't be going to all the time.
0: Right. So she's, she's already like, I can't believe I married this schmuck. Yeah. Anyway. Police discovered that Arthur had rented a car matching a description of the one whose tire tracks were found at the murder scene. So now he's connected to these tire tracks. Now, the mileage of that car that Arthur had rented also matched the distance that was assumed to have been driven the day of the murder. Okay. Like where it would have needed (laughs) to be driven or whatever. After police confirmed with the auto rental company that Arthur was the one who rented that car, he still wouldn't fess up to it. Now, the DA was seeking a written confession from him, but Arthur said he had nothing to say. And he would often, when he would talk to the press or talk to the, um, I mean, he's in jail at this point, so when he would talk to anyone, like especially the police and the DA, he was always really snarky about everything. Like, he was a little shit, for sure. The DA asked him, is it not a fact that you rented the Roadster last Friday night between 7 p.m. and 11.10 p.m.? And Arthur sat back and smiled, and he said, the officer seemed to think so. (laughs) Jesus.
1: (laughs) When he was asked about the- It must have been a nice time when there was no DNA evidence. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Where you could kind of just be like, I'll just see how far I can fucking take it by denying it. Right. There's no physical evidence that you can prove anything. No. So, I mean, I feel like that's why these people were so cocky back then. It's like, prove it, bitch. (laughs) Right. Like, these people, like, I think
0: about, like, murder cases back in this time and just how easy it must
1: have been compared right. to now. There's no like evidence, like physical evidence that's really conclusive. There's not even security cameras. There's no cameras. like, yes, security cameras, like all of that kind of stuff or like cell phone activity. Like, right. It's like, cause I feel like a lot of these cases, these people are just brazenly like fucking prove it, bitch. <laughs> like, even though it's really obvious, like right. the motive is sort of the thing. Yeah. Totally.
0: Now, When he was asked about the murder weapon, Arthur continued to be snarky. He said, quote, Some newspaper men get very excited when they found a gun receipt in my purse. It's too bad that their hot clue got evaporated. (laughs) He put hot clue in quotes, so that was the newspaper. That's like their sarcastic sarcastic. Yeah. (laughs) If they would have just come to me, I would have told them that the receipt was for a rifle that is now in a Chicago athletic
1: goods store. Nice try.
0: (laughs) Really, like some of these... This guy reminds me of Rhoda Penmark in the way he talks. He's like, that's too bad. (laughs) It's so funny. It was Claude Daigle who got drowned, not me. Yeah. Try again, bitches. (laughs) Arthur then remarked that he was becoming famous because of the case. So he was like... Kind of enjoying his celebrity a little bit because he's awful. Detectives searched John Kennedy's safe deposit box and inside they found approximately 100 love letters written from Madeline to John. Detectives said that they only found one letter written from John to Madeline.
1: But he wouldn't have? Yes, exactly. But I
0: mentioned that because they had to put that in the newspaper to make it seem... Like a dunk? Yeah, but it's like, why would he have his own letters? Yeah,
1: yeah, it doesn't make sense. stupid.
0: The letters Madeline had sent to John ranged from flowery declarations of love to angry letters saying that she was through with him once and for all. One of the letters was basically like, I'm marrying Mr. Obenchain, and there's nothing you can do about it. Ha. (laughs) But then like a week later, she would be like, oh my God, my darling, I love you. I have to be with you. I mean, and these letters were so over the top. Like I read through several of them and they were just like, you know, I want like... Oh, by the moon, and yeah. like it was just like, come on, lady. Yeah, it was so. You are my the moon,
1: top. my stars, my sun, my everything.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then the next letter would be like, if
1: you think I'm the type of girl to just wait around, so it wasn't like um, there were no sex. It wasn't like the James Joyce letters. No, I was. I <laughs> it was. It wasn't like shit in my mouth,
0: baby. <laughs> I was a little disappointed that they weren't more graphic, like sexually. They were just like. Like two seventh graders writing love notes. Right. It was so stupid. Yeah. That's Any- sad. Yeah.
1: I, that's like I love more than old school uh, filth. Yeah. You know, or smutty letters. Exactly. Like-
0: Now, at the grand jury hearings, Madeline's mom testified that John Kennedy was very much in love with her daughter. It wasn't some one-sided thing, as the prosecution was looking to argue. They were trying to argue, like, this man... He's
1: being stalked, or she's obsessed.
0: Yeah, like, she felt discarded by this man who didn't want her, and she was a crazed lover. Right. Whatever. But the mom was like, no, I knew their relationship. They were very much in love with each other. It was mutual. She said that Madeline was sent a love letter that actually arrived just before the wedding ceremony. Oh. (laughs) Like, so she, like, they were constantly sending letters to each other. One even arrived on her wedding day from John.
1: Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R A K U T E N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping.
0: Her mom also asserted that she believed John Kennedy's parents always hated her daughter. This is a quote. From- I don't even think they deny it. <laughs> no. This is, this is a quote from Madeline's mom. None of us like to speak ill of this phase of Belton. They call him Belton because that's his middle name sometimes. None of us likes to speak of this phase of Belton's connection with Madeline. But if, but if, as it is apparent, it is Mr. Kennedy's intention to show that Madeline was pursuing Belton and that Belton had refused to have anything to do with her, there will be evidence produced that will startle even the father himself. Nobody likes to dig into the life of one who is gone, but if the closet of Belton Kennedy's past is ever forced open by a murder trial, many disclosures may be expected. Mr. Kennedy knows that I speak the truth, for in this case, I have not said anything that is not acceptable to my father in heaven in the protection of a daughter." Kennedy will have to admit that he has often threatened my daughter. He will have to admit that I spent an entire hour with him in his office discussing the love that that existed between his son and Madeline. He knows I told Belton that if he really loved Madeline, the greatness of his love should lead him to make a real sacrifice by leaving her alone after she married Miss... Mr. Obenchain, that I begged him to do so and told him that it was the only course to pursue to prove the extent of his great love. I will ask you one question and then I will speak no more. Is there not the possibility that the gunshot was intended for my daughter instead of Belton Kennedy, in which case the gun was surely not held by Mr. Birch? Oh. So the mom's saying, I bet this was... Someone trying to kill her. Trying to kill the, my daughter. Yeah. Now, John's father testified that his son told him a week before his murder that Madeline had threatened to kill herself if he didn't marry her. He said that they had gotten into a fight at her hotel room and that she had a gun and he had to wrestle this gun away from her. Madeline gave an exclusive interview the next day in the LA Times denying all of these allegations. In fact, she said that it was John who had aggressively pursued her and not the other way around. So as to why she was hanging out with Arthur Birch in L.A., she said that he knew he was going through domestic trouble. She was just being a good friend because she mm. kept getting pre- like pressed about this, and right. like I said before, she kept having to deny that they were fucking, yeah, or ever would fuck ever, yeah. When Madeline was indicted for the murder, Ralph Obenchain hauled ass to L.A. <laughs> to be by her side. Ralph, no, Ralph. He also was providing her with legal counsel because he was a lawyer. Oh, right. Who he's like, I'll be your lawyer free of charge. (laughs) And I'll be (laughs) your human doormat. I'm the human doormat. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, Arthur at this time was also indicted. The trial was delayed for several months as Madeline and her ex husband fought for her bail, but they never were granted bail. Right. But this trial was like very delayed, especially compared to how speedy trials happened right. back then. So Arthur's trial began November 1921 and lasted for eight weeks, which was also a very long time back in those days. Arthur entered an insanity plea. And oh, his <laughs> that's new. <laughs> his defense was going to argue. They wanted to argue that his love for Madeline drove him to kill for her. Damn. No, he was not in his right mind.
1: That's how her pussy, pussy got the first star. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. At Arthur's trial, the prosecution star witnesses were two neighbors who said that they saw Arthur in the vicinity of the murder at the time of the murder. Meanwhile, Ralph Obenchain tried to get Ma- Madeline to remarry him while she was in jail. Ugh, this guy. But the judge would not allow it. He's like, no, you can get married when she's out of jail. He's
1: like, I'm helping you regain some dignity here, sir. Please. You are not allowed. Legally, you are not allowed to be this big of a pussy.
0: (laughs) Ralph was declared by the press a man in a million for rushing to his ex-wife's aid. It was reported that Arthur called Ralph Obenchain a boob in a million. (laughs) I kind of like Arthur. (laughs) He's like such a dick. Yeah. (laughs) But he later denied that he ever said that. (laughs) I just love that he's like more like a boob in a million.
1: Hey, I didn't say anything. (laughs) If he likes to get credit for it. Back when boob was a big dunk. Yeah, that's such a hard, yeah. No man wanted to be called a boob. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Madeline's love letters to John were read in court during Arthur's trial. (laughs) Now, Ralph Obenchain had to sit there and hear pages and pages of his his ex-wife gushing to this other man in these letters that she had written while they were married, including the one that she wrote while they were on their honeymoon.
1: But he was rock hard the whole time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause he's- laughs> and the press had a field day with that too. They Ugh, were like,
1: this is so humiliating. I can't.
0: <laughs> they were over, like losing their minds that this ex-husband had to hear all these love letters yeah, read aloud bad. in open court. A headline in the LA Times read Madeline's hot love notes jar open chain. Ex-husband groans as letters of woman (laughs) Ex (laughs) husband No, they were groans of embarrassment. (laughs) Ex-husband groans as letters of woman to Kennedy reveal heart won by broker. In a letter dated July 17th, which was the day before she telegrammed Arthur to come to LA, she wrote to John about how, the agony that she was feeling and that her love for him was dead. But the next letter she wrote to John was two days later and she apologized and said she loved him. This was very common with these letters, these back and forths.
1: It must be such a weird because it's now it's very easy to be hot and cold and volatile over like text or something, but to have to like send it via like snail mail. Right. Because you're going to, by the time you send it, you're like, ah, I'm kind of already over it. <laughs> like, I would want to get those letters back. That like, would have sucked so bad. Yeah, because you're two days later, by the time the letter gets there, you've already changed your, opinion. <laughs> so you've got to quickly write. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, you're constantly like two steps behind or something. Right. <clears throat> now, while she was locked up,
0: Madeline Obenchain had a lot of fans. Hmm. She was very popular in the prison and she was just popular on the outside as well because she was like this great beauty. Right. At at Christmas time, she received over 125 gifts, including cash. Some of the gifts she received included flowers, a jade necklace, perfume, boxes of candy, lingerie, and a $1,000 bill. Ooh. I didn't know they had those, but that's like a lot of money in 1921.
1: Yeah. That's That's like, that's that's a big gift.
0: Arthur's trial ended in a hung jury, and a mistrial was declared. But that would not be the last time that he was tried for this case. Madeline's trial finally began in February of 1922. Once again, Madeline's love letters were read in court. So not only were they read during Arthur's trial, but yeah. they were read at her own trial. And every time, they, I mean, and the press was like so excited to report about. Right, even and, though they weren't that juicy. No, but there were so many of them, yeah, and they were just so sappy. The, yeah. the newspapers printed all of these letters. By the okay. way, you can find them. And the, also, the other thing I want to mention about this case is, since the murder of John Kennedy, these this story dominated newspapers across the nation. But I was mostly reading from the L.A. Times. But it was every single day, yeah. Like this was the Casey Anthony story. Okay. Like it was such a huge crime story that was happening in L.A. at the time. So Madeline's love letters are read in court. Not only were her letters read, but also telegrams from John Kennedy to Madeline. One of the telegrams from John Kennedy read, May I call you for a few minutes, Madeline? I did not forget my promise to phone, but I ask for forgiveness. My daily program is like this. Cold shower, breakfast, swimming, a la negligee, refreshment, nap, sailing, dinner, and then a walk. And the inevitable. When I get back, I'm going to teach you to drive my roadster. Please address me (laughs) at the office. I just read this because I wanted to know what swimming a la negligee was. Does that mean like naked?
1: Or in underwear? Yeah. I don't know. But he said, I'm swimming a la negligee. Yeah. That sounds like maybe he's just swimming in his underwear, right? Negligee? Yeah. Isn't that like a garment? I don't know. All a negligee. I mean, it certainly sounds something. It's rich people swimming. Yeah.
0: The jury for Madeline's trial was also hopelessly deadlocked, and a mistrial was declared. During Madeline's second trial, it was revealed that she had struck up a romance with an inmate at San Quentin. Madeline met Paul Roman while he was in county jail before he got sent to San Quentin, she sent him love notes, and one of them read, "Paul, my sweetheart, I love you. Believe me, don't give give me up now. If you if you do, I will take you with me. So help me heaven." <laughs> so she's sending love notes to this other prisoner, and what happened was Paul ended up testifying in Madeline's trial that Madeline had solicited him to give a false statement to the court to help her out. Okay. Now, basically she wanted him to say that he had overheard two men on the street talking about how they wanted to kill John Kennedy. Right.
1: What are the odds? What are the odds of that? Yeah. Let's kill John Kennedy. (laughs) (laughs) Like seriously. Come on. Madeline's a little
0: schemer. She is a schemer. Paul's fellow inmates were pissed that he ratted on Madeline because they all thought Madeline was hot. Oh. So they were fucking pissed. That's like, a how twist. how dare yeah. you rat on Madeline? I'm I mean, gonna, and just the fact that he was a rat Yeah, in general. You're going to rat on that
1: dime? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they hanged an effigy of him after his testimony. Ooh. And I assume he got his ass kicked heartily Probably. in prison. Yeah. Madeline's second trial resulted in another hung jury, mm. as did Arthur's second and third trials. Damn. And in December of 1922, both Madeline and Arthur were released due to lack of evidence. Yep. When asked if she would return to her ex-husband, Ralph, now that she was a free woman, she said, I don't think so. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. I know. Uh, <laughs> Madeline did express desires to travel the world. John Kennedy's father was pissed about yeah. about this. And five years later, in 1927, he went to Arthur's office and started choking him out. Like he, damn, he, he's like, I'm gonna take. You know, it's it's five years later. It's been brewing for a while. He's like planning it. Revenge is a dish best served cold. So, in the newspaper article about it, it says that Arthur had was carrying a fire extinguisher in each hand when Mr. Kennedy attacked him and Arthur said he couldn't defend himself and I'm like Arthur you're a dumbass why don't you just hit the guy with the fire extinguisher seriously He's like I had to put them down I mean What an idiot Yeah Okay so this old guy Mr. Kennedy is is choking him out and as he's choking him out he says to Arthur
1: I've been waiting a long
0: time but now I've
1: got you <laughs> such a it's like i mean i know he's justified but it's such a villain line
0: yeah (laughs) now arthur was unharmed and mr kennedy was arrested but the judge felt bad for him of course so he got a 30 day suspended sentence which is basically like probation yeah and the judge was like if you see arthur cross the street yeah don't stop choking him out stop (laughs) choking him out i know he sucks yeah what are we gonna (laughs) do what are we gonna do about it Now, when Arthur died in 1944, he left his entire estate to Madeline, Mm.
1: even though he had kids. (laughs) Damn. And she never fucked him. No! (laughs) Oh, Arthur. It was a small
0: amount of money and property, and she declined the estate. She told the newspaper, I think the money rightfully belongs to his children. I'm a good person. (laughs) See? I feel like... But it wasn't that much, so... No, it wasn't enough for her to, like, be very moral about yeah. it. Because she was like, you know, it was like 1500 dollars Okay. So and was it wasn't. So it wasn't a terrible... I mean she was a rich lady. It wasn't a terrible amount of money to her. Right. But yeah, I just love that like this guy was so would do anything for her. He what an ass. Like yeah. he doesn't leave it to his his kids. Yeah.
1: It's ridiculous.
0: Dumbass. Anyway, that's the story of Madeline Obenchain.
1: Damn. And what and whatever happened to her husband... or Mr. Obachine, Ralph, he, he just was a sad sack, yeah. forever. Ugh, he's like the saddest part of the story.
0: He's so sad. I just he don't. has no backbone. That's
1: like unbelievable. This
0: woman doesn't even pretend to care about him. Like,
1: dude, you need to love yourself. And what about Madeline? She just she just lived, lived her life lived, out doing. She traveled, I guess, because that's what she wanted
0: to do. She didn't get in any more crimes. Uh She changed her name back to Madeline Connor, which was her her maiden name. Okay. So, uh, but she stayed out of the news. The only time she was in the news, again, was in
1: 1944 when... Arthur died. Was there any speculation about what happened exactly? Like she just killed him because she wouldn't, he wouldn't marry her. Yeah,
0: that was this. That was like what the prosecution was alleging was that this was a woman scorned, and they used that phrase a lot. Yeah, like one of the prosecutors was quoted as saying, "Hell hath no fury as a woman scorned." Right, and basically it was like she couldn't get this man to marry her, so she hired. Or she had uh, Arthur Birch do it, kill, kill and make it look like a
1: ambush, just to get it, just to like have him not exist anymore. Yes, because she was so mad at him, that and she didn't want him to be with anyone else. Exactly, uh-huh. that was what they alleged.
0: I mean, that does sound like pretty close to what probably happened. There's a little too much
1: circumstantial evidence. I feel like. I mean, I feel like that's what it. That's probably what happened, but it does seem kind of like I would need a little more. Yeah to kill someone. <laughs> Not that I'm killing anyone, but like that w- like I I wonder if there was more that he how he angered her in another like is there another way he angered her?
0: It was just the back and forth for years and years yeah. and years
1: and And maybe she- he did see someone else that angered her. Like maybe he did go on a date or something. Right. I feel like there there needs to be like an inciting incident or something. I mean, like I read a lot of
0: these letters and they were like She was really pissed sometimes at him. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was jerking
1: her around and I felt like... Right. So she was just at her end. It was just the
0: final straw for her because it was like, she got divorced from her husband for this guy. Right. And then when they had planned to marry, he literally left her at the altar in San Francisco. Right. Like, pretty much. And then, so she's like, okay, I'll go down there and give him one more chance. And then when she went down and he probably sent her all these letters like, yes, my love, we're going to get married. Yeah.
1: So it's just leading her on. She just snapped. Yeah. It was like snapped. Yeah. And she was like, you know what? Fuck you and your mom. I have a person I'm not fucking who will do this for me. Exactly. (laughs) Like,
0: yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I would say that she's a, she's maybe not as dangerous as some of the other women. Like, I mean, she's not as
1: violent as some of the other women we've covered,
0: but she's definitely has a diamond level pussy.
1: Well, clearly she had these men humiliate themselves for her, like the two, the surviving men. Absolutely. uh, And this guy was into her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the stuff he wrote to her was... I feel like if he was not marrying her, it was because it's like she had to compete with his parents. Yes. I mean, if she was really brutal, she would have killed the parents that would have been the move like to get the guy right I'm not suggesting she do that no, <laughs> I'm just saying but like that would have been because the then move. she would have had him and not have to deal with the parents like right but but she he, was not thinking clearly no, no she was not thinking clearly well that's that that's cool I didn't know what you were doing today yeah and I, I we haven't like hung
0: out in like a week or something right over busy. yeah we've both been really busy Um, Okay, so if you want to go over to our Facebook page, it's Hollywood Crime Scene Friends. We have an Instagram. I'll be posting pictures there this week. Yeah, I want to see Madeline. I'll post some pictures this week about this case. And you can donate over at patreon.com slash hollywoodcrimescene. If you want to, uh, you can support us also by supporting our sponsors. And thank you guys for listening. Yeah. That's it. Bye. Bye.